Welcome to The Self-Made Theory, the podcast that's all about innovating, overcoming and prospering. We interview founders, entrepreneurs, innovators, CEOs and other exciting people about their amazing business journey. Over to your host, Ben Campbell, for this week's episode. It's Ben here and welcome back to The Self-Made Theory. Before I contacted my next guest, Toby, to request an interview, I was, and I still am, a heavy user of his Urban Brew Coffee Pod products. I love the product and their subscription-based service and unique value adds. No, this isn't a paid product endorsement. Toby runs a business where he's both a manufacturer of his own product as well as a manufacturer for others, a wholesaler and an online retailer. We uncover a lot in our conversation, including are you brave enough to have an open book policy with your staff on your profit and loss. We discuss diversification and how important it can be in minimising your market forces risk, but how diverse is too diverse. We discuss is ownership of things from a bygone era and will we move to subscription for most things in the future. Toby talks about for busy executives, listening to audiobooks can be an invaluable way to turn non-productive time into positive returns. And a simple walk and talk with a staff member can create a great connection with you, the CEO. We started talking about the challenges of running a business and particularly the roller coaster of highs and lows, both financially and emotionally. We also cover some of Toby's life hacks. This episode starts after we were talking about his introduction of environmentally friendly biodegradable coffee pods into his product range. Enjoy. Even though we had a lot of people on social media saying, you know, give us an eco-friendly option, people just weren't willing to pay extra for that. When it came to actually having to fork out for it, people just weren't willing to do it. So, you know, that was sort of our test case. And then we're like, wow, people just aren't willing to pay for this. So we we sort of stepped away from it for a little while. And then I just realized that we, you know, we still needed to move in that direction and, and offer those products, but we just needed to change our business model that we could do it at a better price so people could afford to do the right thing. So that really comes into Urban Brew again and selling direct to the consumer and cutting out the middleman and all that margin so we can, you know, give them a better, more eco-friendly product at a better price. Yeah, right. Wow, there you go. Yeah, good on you. Because <laughs> not everyone focuses in that space, do they? I mean, I've been reading stuff recently. I think there's a supermarket chain in one of the Scandinavian countries that's just gone plastic-free. Right? And I've taken that out. They want everything to be that whatever that new biodegradable, you know, plastic-like type product uh, for all the you know, fruit and vegetables and other things and all of the other packaged products that sit inside, which is a pretty big, bold step. And now, obviously, we've got the technology to be able to do that. Um, yeah. But, you know, they've sort of first cab off the rank, really, yeah, in yeah. that space. That's the thing, you, you know... I'd say you'd be silly not to, only because it's so much more accessible now than That's it right. was back then and the prices have come down so yeah. much more. It used to be this thing that cost so much more a few years ago, but it's it's advancing quite quickly. Yeah, very good. Wow. So it's been a pretty interesting roller coaster type journey, would you say? Yes. Right, over the last, over the, <laughs> yeah. over the, the last few years. You could say that. It's certainly not as easy as I thought it was going to be, but I'm sure it's the same for everyone out there, you know. And that's why I don't mind talking about it as well because I remember when I was a younger entrepreneur, and you just hear all these, you know, you see these stories and these articles about yeah. these guys that have made it and just painting the most perfect picture of their journey. And I was just like, what? And you're, and you're on Struggle Street, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, what, what am I 
lot doing wrong? What are these? Why are these guys got these perfect lives, and I'm just here eating baked beans and just working hundred hours a week, and yeah. it's just and it, it really started to get me down. And I thought it was I was doing something wrong, and I was blaming myself for it. And then throughout my journey, I've come to realize that they were going through all the same stuff. They just weren't telling that story. Yeah, that's right. And so that's why now I'm every opportunity to get. I, I love to talk about it to let other younger entrepreneurs know that if you want to get into this, this is what you have to be willing to go through. And, you know, I think it's very rare for people to have a non-crisis business. It it happens and you just have to be prepared for it. And it's not necessarily your fault and you haven't done anything wrong. You can do everything right, um, but something is going to trip you up somewhere along the way and you just have to face it and and get on with it. So you talked before about having to let some staff go through the over-forecasting challenge and then obviously producing too much so you end up with three months of stock in your warehouse and then also of a customer going into liquidation Mm. um, which obviously impacted your business would you do anything different again because it's probably as a founder or a managing director Mm. to let people go is one of the toughest things and most people will say well that's great for you you still get to keep your job it's you know it's much tougher for employees Mm. but no employer likes letting staff go no Um, No, absolutely. I wouldn't do anything differently. I think we handled it really well. And the only reason I have confidence in saying that is that I actually had two people come and talk to me after it, one that we let go and one that stayed on. And they they thanked, not me, but us, our management team, they thanked us for the way that we handled that. Um, One in particular had been in another business that went through a similar sort of crisis and they just put up the walls and they just wouldn't communicate anything and they didn't make any decisions quickly and they were just sort of of bumbling their way through for three to six months without communicating to the staff and everyone knew something was wrong and so you just have this horrible work culture where everyone is just wondering when it's going to happen what's going to happen and wondering is even worse than actually knowing so i think the fact that we were just completely transparent with everyone and so quickly like we just within 24 hours we did everything and we've always been that way you know we have an open book policy in the business as well so once a month we meet up with all the staff and we share all the figures with them you know profit margin sales all of it we share it all wow that's a big call a lot of people will not be that transparent i love it i think it's fantastic yeah so i was questioning whether it was the right thing to do and i can't remember where it was a book or audio book or something and it suggested that you ask the question to your staff so let's say we doing last year we did five million dollars in sales everyone write on a piece of paper how much profit you think we made last year and so we did this exercise and some people were writing like three four million just crazy (laughs) things like that and i realized that by not communicating people their thoughts are just so unrealistic and they all think we're popping champagne and we're you know have this great life and you know that particular year we we broke even we didn't make any profit at all and then we actually tell people that and you're like yeah five million sales no profit whatsoever they're like oh wow that's crazy. So, And it's really interesting because what you then do is you then give context to the things that do as a leader of a business. You make decisions around this or that or where you invest or money you do or don't spend. Mm. Now got a context around yeah. those decision pieces. Yeah. Um, and it actually probably helps them buy into you know, a lot more to the decisions that you're making. Absolutely. It's been one of the best things we've ever done. And it probably helps them too, right? I mean, if you think the boss is making four million bucks on a five million bucks turnover, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to be that concerned about my own spending, waste, other yeah. things inside the business yeah. uh, as much as I would be if I know, you know what, if I make a small difference here or yeah. a small change here, I might impact uh, yeah. the bottom line. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm part of the Entrepreneurs Organisation, EO. EO yeah. And I've spoken to other entrepreneurs who have 
have sort of asked me questions about that and they're like, well, you know, we're, we're doing okay. We're, we're making a bit of profit so we don't necessarily want to, you know, give that information out to everyone. And to that I would say, you know, you just need to communicate it in the right way and just say, look, man, I risked everything. I risked my life. I risked my house. I risked everything to get to this stage. And, you know, it just comes down to communication. And, and you know, you want to keep some of those profits inside the business, yeah. right, for potential risks, downturns, mm. a mm. customer going broke yeah. and another thing, right? You spend all that money on, you know, frivolous staff parties all the time, right? You're not going to have that reserve. Yeah. Um, and I think you're right in that most people will think you're making more money than you actually are. Yeah. So even if they are making money <laughs> right, and good money, yeah. my guess is the staff probably think they're making yeah. more than that anyway. Yeah. Yeah. In the absence of information, people will make it up themselves, won't yeah. they? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, that little gem came from, I can't remember, one of the audiobooks. So you are your big audiobook oh, listener? It's changed my life, absolutely. I can't read. I've really, I've got a very active mind and I'm the sort of person that will read a page and get to the end of it and then realise that I didn't actually absorb any of it. I was thinking about something else as taken I was something, reading. You've, you've taken something inside the book and then got uh, off on another yeah, tangent somewhere. Yeah, I just don't have the concentration for it. So when I got on to audiobooks, I just, it opened me up to, you know, I think until that point in business, I was just using common sense, but no real skill, I guess. And Audible in particular is the service that I use. It's just the self-development and self-education that I've had through that has changed everything for us and our business. And, and I love it. I listen to, you know, two or three hours a day. So at the gym, whenever I'm driving, um, you know, at nighttime before bed, whatever it is, you, you know, and people, the thing I love about it is that it's so efficient because at the gym, I'm not going to be doing anything else while I'm at the gym. So I might as well listen to that and learn yeah, as I go. Exactly. And some people struggle, you know, they say, oh, look, I can't take it in listening to it, but I just take notes all the way through. So, you know, for every book I finish, I have a big note section in my phone and then I move it across to the desktop and then refine it and, and go through it and then basically have my own summary of that book and yeah the things that I've developed the skills from audiobook I struggle to understand why anyone would pay for any sort of course of study these days when you can just learn everything through YouTube and Audible and whatever it is podcasts of oh, course po- yeah, sorry yeah, of course yeah, absolutely <laughs> sorry so yeah but I do love the fact that you know what we're really doing is taking downtime for your head mm. right so when you're in the gym or in the car mm. and you're actually turning that into something that can actually be productive in your life yeah. Yeah. I think it's a very, very powerful medium. Yeah. So have you got any book recommendations for me? Because I do, I actually have on my uh, website, I uh, have some book recommendations, okay. so stuff that I've read that I really believe that you know, yep. everybody should read. Yep, yep, I yep. put on there and you know, Audible is one of the platforms that I suggest people go on and buy or consume from. Yeah, brilliant. What have you got? The number one would be Traction from Gino Wickman. Okay. So and so why does that speak to you? It's similar. The, for people that are familiar, there's another one called Scaling Up and they're both sort of operating systems for your business. But for me, Traction was more scaling up had too many different little pieces all over the place and I took a lot away from that which we've implemented into the business and it's been very helpful but we really use traction as the core operating system so it it really taught me how to set up a management team so I went through for most of you know running this business I've had somebody at my door knocking on the door every five minutes asking me this and that and this you can solve this problem and I don't mind doing that like I love problem solving but it was just impossible to be focused and really get stuck into projects because I was always putting out fires and so Traction taught me how to set up a management team and so you know everyone is funneled through that management team and all the problems go to them first and then if they can't solve it then they come to me and really just setting up the structure the meeting structure and yeah it's just quite a simple thing to implement compared to many others that are out there that just make it too complicated yeah okay yeah 
I'm running a manufacturing business and now really a retail business with your online as well as a distribution business. It's a pretty complex piece to do all of those things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've come to realise why many businesses either are just manufacturers yeah. or you're a brand owner and you have somebody else do the manufacturing for you. Like to do all of those components is incredibly challenging. But again, it's just about having the right business partners. So, you know, I look after the sales and marketing. My business partner, David, takes care of the manufacturing. So if you have the right people in there to manage it, then it makes it much easier. But yeah, does, there's... Does that... I mean, you talked before a little bit about risk. Does that diversify risk given that you're you know, obviously manufacturing yourself, right? You own that outcome. So yes. that gives you, you know, obviously you have less reliance on others um, mm. because you're now producing product. But in terms of having multiple brands and selling through multiple distribution channels, yeah, you know, obviously to the big retailers, but then also direct, was that a conscious choice to diversify your risk? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, I would say we are over-diversified. We've had consultants come into our business and they're just like, you were doing way too much. You should be cutting half of the things you're doing, just cut them out completely. But by things you're doing, does that mean you know, products and brands? Oh, yeah, products, yeah. channels, you know, selling in to wholesaling to Coles and Moors, selling to the big online retailers like Catch and Kogan, having our own websites, export, doing all these different things. And I was just like, you're crazy. You know, a lot of people have that thinking that you should just focus on one thing and just do it really well. And it's just too risky for me. You know, if we didn't have that diversification when that customer went insolvent, we would have gone under. There's no doubt about it. So that really has saved our business. The flip side of that is that, yes, it is incredibly challenging and, you know, there's 20 times the problems to solve and it can be hard for me to focus on one thing because I'm just constantly jumping from this to that and the other. But that's what I'm, you know, willing to do to have that sort of safety net for our business, I suppose. I think it's actually admirable to do that. Yeah. Uh, and not a lot of people will put that effort in. And do you think that, you know, because you had some challenges early on in your business, that's the reason? Or are you just a risk-adverse person anyway? I wouldn't say I'm risk-adverse, but I'm a pessimist, I suppose, in a way. You know, I'm always hoping for the best, expecting the worst. I plan for the worst. And so I would always go through, okay, we have 10 core customers. You know, what happens if one, two, three leave us tomorrow? What do we do with that? I'm just always planning in my head you know it's the worst case scenario and um it's not a very nice way to live to be honest you know you're always in that sort of not a negative mindset but you it, it almost is really but that's just i don't know just the way i am and it's got us to where we are i guess so it can't be that bad would you change it would you change that mindset if you could i don't know i may make tweaks to it over time i guess because i i know that i can't keep operating at the level that I am now, uh, you know, just working 60, 80 hour weeks, it will have to change at some stage. I mean, obviously, as the, you know, as the managing director, right, you, own, you own the end outcome mm. for the customers and for your people and, and for your suppliers, et cetera. But do you think as you get bigger and you have larger workforce, maybe more management structure, et cetera, to mm. actually take some of that? load off yeah. do you see there's a way to potentially you know, solve for that for you yeah i hope so i don't know i'm in a weird place where i've been so used to fighting in the trenches it, honestly that's how it has felt yep. for many yeah, years I can imagine. it's just like you know okay i'm going into work now i'm going into to battle in, in the trenches and i think i've become so used to that that i almost don't know how to operate at 
any other level. Like I always like the online side of the business is doing very well for us now and, you know, and creating that management structure has helped to give me more breathing space. And I'm actually having trouble making that transition because I, I'm just so accustomed to that action of just having my back against the wall and just fighting all the time every day and problem solving. And, and it's actually hard to sort of ease into that more strategic planning. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going through that now and struggling a little bit with it. And you know what? You're not the first guy, yeah. to first manager, first leader, first whatever to struggle with that. Yeah. And you won't be the last. No, I'm sure I won't. <laughs> um, but that Urban Brew is my saving grace with that because it's, you know, they bring so much joy to my life, seeing the joy that we bring to our customers and, you know, people giggle at the little notes that we write and all that sort of stuff. And we have such a great time here creating all of that content and doing those things. Yeah. So that has really um, brought a lot of light to my life, to be honest. Well, we, we giggle at home yeah. uh, when we get a little <laughs> notes. Uh, all of us giggle, the whole family does. I've just seen a preview of the, the next one that we're going to receive and yes. I'm going to giggle at that one again when it comes home to my house. <laughs> Brilliant. I finally feel after, you know, being in the trenches for so long that this is the right, we've made the right choice now, we're going in the right direction and it's better for our customers and it's better for my life and it's better for our business, it's just better for everyone. Yeah. One of the challenges is that many people who both sell direct and sell through larger retailers or, or even wholesalers one of the challenges they have is differentiating that and for customers who are wholesalers yep. to not see that as a competitive threat when you start selling direct how have you managed that inside your business creating a different brand so that's helped a lot we've found that the big retailers are really just so caught up in their own world they're not necessarily aware of what else is going on out there so you know definitely if you're selling a particular brand to a retailer and then you try and sell that same brand yeah. elsewhere, then that creates conflict. But if you create additional brands, then that helps reduce that. Yeah, absolutely. Which is a pain to, to do. To try and market multiple brands um, can be a headache, but it's um, it reduces that friction with the retailers at least. Yeah. Do the uh, so marketing different brands? Do you different? Do you feel like your different brands have different personalities? And is that a challenge to then you know, for your marketing team to sort of change mindset that you know we're now doing this yep. for this brand? Yep. It needs to be completely different. Have a different look, feel, yeah. personality, yeah. tone yep. to the others. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It is. And Urban Brew is really my passion project at the moment. I love getting in front of the camera and doing videos for that and, and creating the content for that to the point where I sort of feel like we've neglected the other ones a bit because I just I just love what we're doing with Urban Brew. So we need to show the other brands a bit more love. Um, I think it's difficult because I, I can't necessarily be that same, you know, the face of multiple brands like that. No, you just, can't. Yeah, we're sort of just trying to work out how to manage that at the moment. Yeah, okay. So what's next for Podpack? or Urban Brew, or Podista, or Brand XYZ. <laughs> we need to get better at being specific on the projects that are going to be most effective for us. Ideas is not our problem. We have so many ideas and we use Asana for all of our tasks and okay. task management and all that sort of stuff. And we have thousands of things in there and ideas and projects and all sorts of stuff. So it's what really... A great problem to have. It can be, but being the person I am, I just want to do them all <laughs> now. And it's, you know, that's not helping me reduce my work hours. So 
I guess it's just been more strategic in those things. And, and what does that mean? So when you say more strategic, is that do you rank those ideas based on you know, the return on investment? Do you rank them based on you know revenue or profitability or impact on customer? Or yeah, not, yeah, more planning, not just you know jumping to the next shiny thing as I've always done in the past. Yeah, you know, okay. I've had a real problem with that in you know developing for Podista. We developed the world's first double shot pod, so we added Garana to the pod to increase oh, wow, the caffeine okay. content, and that was the new shiny thing at the time and I had a lot of fun developing that product and then we launched it and then I just went on to the next product I thought, oh what's something else we can develop and I thought wait you forgot to actually like properly market this thing and make the most of it and properly embed it yeah. into it yeah okay yeah, it's yeah. crazy so yeah look just picking up on those little things and trying to learn from it and improve that's what we're aiming to do for business owners you have to record all of those ideas. That's something else I've learned is that good ideas come from lots of ideas. Like it's very rare to have that light bulb moment and you're like, wow, this is the next thing. Often, you know, we will create lists and lists and lists of ideas and one that two years ago didn't seem that great then you review all those ideas and come back and go, oh, wow, actually now is the right time for that. And that's really what helped me get through those dark times as well in the business was going back to those lists of ideas and, you know, they helped me get re-inspired to move on to the next thing. And I think one of the things I think people underestimate is that ideas come from everywhere. Yeah. And so you're driving down the road and you're thinking about something and you're doing, you know, you're just driving really, yeah, yeah, driving yeah. down the road and yeah. up comes an idea. Yeah. You see something, that triggers a memory or builds on some on top of an idea that you've already had. Yeah. And what surprises me is that people don't leverage technology in order to write all that stuff down. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm often, you know, in my car thing, sending myself a text. You know, and I, yeah. I would send myself three or four texts a day while I'm driving, not by using my hands, <laughs> by using my hands free kid, you're building upon ideas, right? And then I go back and I put into my ideas file, you know, or build upon the project that I'm already working on and away we go. Yeah, I imagine you're probably not dissimilar. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, and listening to audiobooks and podcasts, a lot of people will not listen to something that's outside of their industry. And I love listening to things that are just completely outside of what we're doing because you can get great ideas from, you know, something that somebody's trying elsewhere and it sparks something in your head. So... So where did, where did the subscription idea come from for for the Urban Brew piece? Because, I, I mean, that's the piece that I love yes. because I don't have to do anything. I've worked out that we drink 300 coffee pods a month in our house yep. and every month it just rocks up. Yeah. I do nothing. Yeah. I love it. Get a note. I'm great. But I would never have gone searching for that had I, had yeah. I not heard about your business beforehand. Yeah. So where did the idea of the subscription model come from? I guess just realising that people are just so busy these days. Like uh, I was reading an article talking about, I think it was somewhere in America or something like that, and it was a person that was talking about, you know, the, the 40s, 50s and 60s and all the dinner parties they used to have and like every night something was like neighbours were going to neighbours' house and there was a lot more activity after work and the person writing the article was talking about these days you're lucky to have you know a dinner party maybe on the weekend and even then often it's only one of the partners is showing up because the other one's crashed out on the couch or had a terrible week or whatever it is and talking about people falling asleep at the dinner table these days like we're just packing so much into our lives so then it was just the thinking was you know how can we make life simpler for our customers and and, you know, I think everything is going to move into that direction. So even Porsche now in America offer a subscription service. So instead of buying this big expensive car that you're stuck with for years, you sign up to their subscription and you can switch out the car whenever you want. So one week you might have a sports car, one week you have a four-wheel drive. Like it's really the way of the future. I think ownership of something. Sorry, this is going a bit off track. No, 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 no. I love this stuff. But, you know, ownership is going to be a things of the past. So subscriptions are just other 
future. Mm. So you're just tapping straight into that desire to, to make life easy. We're at least making it available now, you know. It's not everyone is jumping at it, but over time that will be what everyone wants. I saw some social media stuff around um, life hacks or hacks that you were you know, talking about. Yes, <laughs> very big on sharing, <laughs> sharing those. I try a lot of different stuff, yeah. and so I like to share not only the things that work, but also the things that don't work. So for the budding entrepreneur that's listening to this or the business owner or the you know, founder of a company or the person who's thinking about you know, doing something around business, yeah. have you got some top hacks for us? Yeah, absolutely. So we, during the dark times in our business, you know, the culture of the business obviously struggled a lot, declined a lot. Um, and so I was in my entrepreneurs group. I was like, what can I do to help improve the culture? And one of the other guys just mentioned, you know, it, it just do a walk and talk, something so simple. We didn't necessarily have the big review periods every six months whatever it is set up and so um, we set up a system where i've sort of dropped the ball on it recently but it's something good that other people could pick up you just pick one staff member a day and you just let's go for a walk around the block and just have a chat it might be work it might be personal whatever it is and it just creates that connection and improves the the culture of the business immediately so that was just such a great little simple thing to do wow for me going to toastmasters was was life-changing as well i am an introvert and I'm not naturally speaker in front of people but I realized that for the business I needed to be so in the early days I would basically have a panic attack just talking to staff here and it was like I knew in my head it was so ridiculous I'm like Toby these people are your staff there's five of them <laughs> and they work for you and I was shaking <laughs> it's not I was like, like they're gonna fire I you I don't if know you... <laughs> it's crazy but I was like I had to address them for something I had to talk to them and I was actually shaking and my heart was racing I was sweating bullets and I was like man what is what is going on and do you think, with do you? you think they saw that do you think they recognise that? Because I think often they Probably. don't. No, yeah, I'm sure they did because I was a terrible, terrible public speaker. And I went and saw a psychologist about it and she went through the whole it's fight or flight, yeah. is, you know, all that sort of stuff. And she basically said the only way to get over that is just practice. You just have to, to do it. And so I went and joined Toastmasters and it was actually better talking in front of a crowd that I didn't know. I was like, look, if I make an idiot of myself, I don't know these people. I can just walk out and never come back. Again, so that actually helped the initial stages. Yeah. It's just the more you do it, the more comfortable you come, and yeah, it was a game changer for me. And it's cheap, and there's so many clubs everywhere as well. I can't remember how much it was, but it was dirt cheap, uh, and yeah, an amazing self development. You would never know. So, clear, <laughs> so clearly, it works, and yeah. uh, and well done because a lot of people don't decide to address that; they just yeah. ignore it, and get someone else to do it. So well done, definitely. Time management is probably another one. So I've become really big on planning my day in 15 minute increments in my calendar and. Become coming really strict with that as well and people don't realize how much waste you know just naturally comes into our life like time waste i mean even you know like we're 20 minutes from the city and there might be a, a meeting to have in the city and you think ah oh, whatever it's 20 minutes i'll drive in but you do a few of those a month and you're talking hours of travel time and so i'd always even if it is somewhere close just say hey can we just skype you know, just jump on the phone, whatever, whatever it is. I'm always finding ways to try and cut down time waste. Um, yeah, that's been really big for me as well. That's a very manufacturer way of looking, <laughs> looking at the I've, world. I've, uh, yeah, I guess David, the engineer, has rubbed off on me. He's rubbed off on you. In many ways. Is it an interesting piece, right? Because there are polar opposites that think of, that look at this, mm. and I'm like you, so I'm a very planned, structured person in my day, and I find that that works for me yes. to get the best down. I'm a, a lot on the go and I'm very efficient. But there are others that say you should do the Warren Buffett 
you know, way of the world. And he's got three meetings in his diary for the whole month. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. yeah, but I don't have 45 people working yeah. for me either that just can do stuff. Yeah, exactly. Where, where do you find your creative time in that space? If, you, if your day is so structured and clearly you're a creative person, yes. where do you find your creative thinking space? So following that calendar you know system i'd block out an hour and a half every morning so it's like deep work time where i just close the door everyone knows not to come knocking not to bother me and yeah that has been massive for me Um, otherwise you just you can't be creative when you're problem solving all the time so that's something that i've been working on for a long time like i had the idea and i tried it and it didn't work and i finally just made it work recently i'm really really happy with that also working from home one day every fortnight as well so again that's another thing that I tried years ago and just fell off the rails and that's really helped. I find that I'm just, you have a different mindset you just think differently and, uh, you know, I don't check emails and I don't try and catch up on all the niggly little things. You just you just need to just create thinking time sometimes and creative time and push everything else aside. And I'd heard of it before, how effective that can be and how much that can help your productivity. And But back when I was just smashing hours, I just couldn't comprehend it. But now that I've actually been able to do it, I, I can see how powerful it is. So I imagine on your hack list you've got uh, audio books as well. Yes, Yep. <laughs> There's a few. <laughs> what are a few of them? Like, Purple Cow was one of them. I found that really good. Um, all about just, you know, marketing differently, you know, standing out from the crowd. Uh, oversubscribed was another great one. I think what we might do is I might uh, grab from you later a yeah. bit of a list and we'll stick it on the show yeah. notes and yeah, then people can, uh, people can have a bit of a look at them afterwards. Yeah, 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 definitely. But I guess my biggest one, and this is a business, personal, whatever, my biggest life hack is just giving people permission to be brutally honest with me has been really just the number one you know and that's my wife that's my staff that's everything and sometimes you regret it because sometimes your staff are brutally honest and you don't want to hear it that's really helped me develop and help me avoid some big mistakes, you know, whereas if I didn't give them permission to be so honest with me, they may have kept quiet with some decisions. And, you know, sometimes they've been like, ah, I don't know, I don't think you should do that. It's not such a good idea. So where did that idea come from? Because most people don't like brutal honesty or feedback. They find it really confronting. And what they don't see is, and this is our ego getting in the way, is what they don't see is the ability to influence and change you from being a good person or a good employer or a good manager or a good leader to being a great or an exceptional one because if you don't have that feedback then how do you know what to improve yeah so where'd the idea come from to allow that to happen i guess i've always preferred to operate like that like i hate it when people are just sort of quiet and you don't know what they're thinking i prefer just even if it's something i'm not going to like like just tell me i prefer to interact in that way and so i guess it was making it easier for myself (laughs) i was like okay um i don't want to offend you so i'll give you permission to do the same thing to me and then we can do it to each other and I, i guess that's where it came from i'm not quite sure but Man, it's just so much better. It's just brutal, honestly. You just know where you stand. You know what you're dealing with. You know, the people aren't talking under their breath and cursing you and, and you just, again, it just comes down to communication. Hmm. Do you do formal performance reviews and performal informal? We've just started now. We've been really, really bad at that. Well, I question the need to, right? Because, I mean, one of the reasons why big companies do those big you know, annual performance reviews hmm. is because, you know, their staff are 
terrible and their leaders are terrible at giving feedback to each yeah, other. Yeah. And so they sit down once a year and they go, oh, my gosh, my boss gave me a real belting at my performance review. <laughs> yeah. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. Right? You shouldn't have to take a year to find out that you were performing in your job. If yeah. you've got the brutal honesty and yeah. irregular feedback yeah. like you talk about, yeah. that should just be a formality. Yeah. I guess that's how we've yeah. managed to operate yeah, all this time exactly. without doing that. Yeah. Uh, and even when we do do it, it's not a big, long, drawn-out thing. It's quite a simple mm. conversation, really. Mm. Because, yeah, we get so much of that every day. Well, thank you for sharing your life hacks. No I'm, sure, I'm sure there's a few gems in there that uh, most people can probably take away. So that's been so. brilliant. Really excited to hear about your journey. Thank uh, you. It's been, uh, as you said before, it's a bit of a roller coaster. Yep. But great to hear. And, you know, I'm a passionate believer in your product. I love it. It's great to hear, you know, the struggle behind the journey. I think it gives us all the more appreciation to how you've uh, created such a great product. Yeah. Just got to keep at it. Just don't give up. Good on you. Well done. <laughs> thank you very much. No worries. Thank Cheers. you. If you're keen to try out Urban Brew's wonderful product, then head over to my website, www.theselfmadetheory.com forward slash podcast. Find the episode. I've got a bunch of links in there, including some great photos about Urban Brew. Thanks for listening. And until next time, keep innovating, overcoming and prospering.